Welcome to our 11th episode of Calling in Ottawa. I'm Greg Johnson, along here with my co-host, Zach Greenberg. We focus on national, regional, and local sports news in this podcast with our own twists and opinions. Today, we'll talk about the NCAA men's tourney, both hockey and basketball, as we'll recap briefly, the NBA, some XFL news, the NHL, and the news from around the state. So, Zach, it appears that Virginia happened to redeem themselves this year. Yeah, unfortunately, my uh, Michigan State Spartans couldn't uh, get it done this year. They uh, choked once again. They, in my in my books, they were they should have been the favorite to win. But uh, congrats to Virginia and Texas Tech on an amazing championship game. Texas Tech blew it in overtime, though. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing to look at is how many times Virginia went into overtime, or they had to come back from a deficit with under like 15 seconds left. Like yeah, the past, I think the Elite Eight, the Final Four, obviously the championship game. I can't remember if the Sweet 16 they had to go into overtime, but either way, they had a lot of close games that they had to come back and win. And I don't know if you believe in destiny. Yeah, I mean, I after they were upset by UMBC in the first round, it was clear that, uh, you know, Tony Bennett hadn't uh, done a very good job preparing them for that tournament. They probably no. kind of looked at them as, you know, as a 16 seed. They've never won before. We can just take the gas off the pedal and we'll be fine. But this year they they clearly learned from their mistakes. And that amazing coaching, I think, is what contributed to them being able to pull out all those overtime games, being able to come back with 10, 15 seconds left and doing all that they did. And uh, just just want to talk about Kyle Guy, who just went crazy the whole tournament. You know, he punched their ticket to the Final Four. He was a big reason why they won in the Final Four and in the uh, National With Championship. With the infamous so, questionable penalty on that yeah, three-pointer. That was definitely a, a foul, yeah, whether you really call was. that, you know, it, with that amount of time left on a three-pointer that's going to decide the game. But he still got to hit all three free throws, which he did. And he did. And and that that's amazing in itself. Down two points with that kind of pressure on you with oh, yeah. the whole, all of North America, the whole world watching you. It, it takes ice in your veins, that's for sure. Has he officially declared for the draft yet, or is he going to No, return? he's, he's going to go back. And he really? has, I think he's only a sophomore, so he's going to have his junior and senior year still. And then... If he wants to. Yeah. But, I, you know, I don't know... Those those guys are a dime a dozen anyways. Once they reach the NBA, so yeah, he's just another three point shooter. Yeah, like, you look, like at, you look at Doug McDermott who went crazy at Creighton for so yep. many years, and Nick he's Stauska just kind of like said his one year at Michigan. Yeah, he's just they're just like two years okay actually. players now in the NBA. So whole different game there. Did but. you see that uh, Cam Reddish also declared for the draft? Yeah, that's uh, a bit surprising on my part because Trey Jones opted to stay. To stay. At I think that's the best move for Trey Jones yeah, because he would have been like a second round pick. Yeah, or maybe a late first or something. Even like, that. like his brother Tyus, but yeah, I, I but think I him think going back to Duke and is he'll good. be able to develop for one more year, and then he'll get the chance to go, and then he could be a you know a top pick in next year's could draft. Be. That's for sure. I'm just surprised Cam Reddish, after how much he struggled this entire year. Yeah. Just, I'll, uh, I'll go to the draft, and he's, he's going to be a, you know, I think he's going to be a 7 through 11 pick. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll get picked high, and he's going to get paid, and I think money talks in the end, because, like, you know, if he goes back, has an even worse year. Yeah, he's second rounder. Second rounder, and then you're looking at way less of a signing bonus. He's a so, five-star recruit out of high school. And yeah, and he's looking at a big signing bonus for sure. So, And there's room for him. Yeah. You know, you're right, and there's rumors swirling around the NBA that they're going to get rid of the one-and-done rule, 
lower the 18, the 19 age to 18 by, I think, the 2020 draft or the 2021 draft. That's also the right move. Yeah, it, it's time because there's there's only a handful of players drafted out of high school anyway. Yeah, and then college basketball will become a lot more competitive too. I mean, it's oh, competitive absolutely. enough because of the, the tournament. Like, it's a crapshoot of who's going to really come out at, at the top every year. Yeah, so. because Duke was heavy favorites to and win. And we beat them. You did. Team ball beats that kind of ball. Yeah. The excessive talent and just freak athletes. You know, that's and just now the way they're it losing is. them all. So we'll see how they do next year. It really is. But moving on, Magic Johnson is officially out as a Lakers GM in a very interesting series of events that he abruptly just left. Didn't even tell owner Jeannie Buss or general manager Rob Palenka. What's your take? All right, well, Magic, I, I've always been a big fan of Magic Johnson because, one, he's the greatest Michigan State basketball player ever, top five NBA player all time, and generally a very nice, easygoing, charming guy. I, I've met him in person at a sports dinner back in Winnipeg. Uh, he shook my hand. Very, very gracious person. He donated a lot of money to the community. Uh, back home so he's a great person but I did lose a lot of respect for him for him not being able to look like a 90 year old woman the owner of the Lakers in the eye and tell her you know this is not this is not for me like I want to step down and that you know that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit I, I, I thought he had a little bit more class than that how old is she? Did you just look it up? She's uh, 57. She's only 57? Yeah, she ain't no 90. Wait, how old How old was uh, was her husband when he died? What was his name? Roger? Uh, it might have been. I will find out in like briefly one second. But, he, I mean, he... Back, back to my... Wasn't point. a young guy, but yeah, anyways. Yeah, back, well, he probably married a, a much younger woman, but... Back to what I'm saying about Magic, like, you know, good for, you know, he had his, he tried it out with the Lakers. He was definitely not qualified for that position, I say. He he really just got that position based on his merit with the Lakers and, you know, his likability and things like that. Yeah. You know, he wasn't, there was obviously a lot more qualified people for the position of president and CEO out there. And, you know, the Lakers weren't doing very well. And, you know, that was probably a sign for him that, he needs to step down. He can go focus on his family, go focus on his advocacy. He's doing so many other things other than being a president and CEO. That was, it really just seemed like a side job to him. Yeah, and that's kind of what the reports are saying. Adrian Orjanowski is reported to say that since he took over president of the Lakers, Magic Johnson never fully committed to the job. He is often found traveling away from the team. Yeah, he was not at never half the really, games. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. even in the office. He didn't do a lot of scouting and running Which an NBA a, team that takes a lot of oh, time yeah, and that, energy. That's a full-time job. And, you know, obviously he has a lot other, of other things on the go with all that he's doing. But yeah. you, if, if you're the Lakers, you want somebody that... <laughs> Is fully there for invested. the team, 100%. Absolutely. But this poses a question. Do you think LeBron had anything to do with this? Um, I don't think so because, from my understanding, LeBron went to the Lakers in part because of Magic Johnson's recruiting pitch. Yeah. LeBron believed in what Magic was preaching. Mm-hmm. He was all for it. And even LeBron was shocked when Magic stepped away. So that tells you that LeBron obviously didn't have any hand in it or they're just playing really good face right now. But it's clear that 
Magic, I don't think Magic wanted to fire Luke Walton and the coaching staff. I think that was part of the reason. Do you think they deserve to be fired, though? No. I don't think I don't, any don't coach think so LeBron's. Either. I don't think any coach LeBron's fired deserved to be fired. <laughs> I mean, look at Ty Lue, Ty Lue, uh, David Blatt. Although I think he actually kind of did deserve it because he coming from Euroball to the NBA takes quite a bit of an adjustment. I mean, not as much as people would think, but still a big enough sizable difference. But I don't know. David Blatt did a lot of good things with Cleveland before LeBron got there, but I think it's really hard to play with LeBron. And he's convinced that stars will want to play with him. And I really don't think so because he doesn't really keep much for coaches. I'm surprised Eric Spolstra stayed for his long, still at Miami, even after LeBron. But one final thing to close out the Magic Johnson topic was Magic was quoted saying, I want to go back to having fun. He wants to go back to being who he was before taking the job. So, I mean, he is clearly obvious that there's one point where he wanted to congratulate Russ on his one of his statistical milestones he made during the season, but he couldn't because of tampering issues. So that's probably a lot of the reasons, because he likes to be on Twitter. He likes to talk a lot about two other players. And to be completely honest, the NBA has, got, has a lot of restrictions on what you can and cannot say on Twitter. Yeah. Especially when in regards to talking to other I, players. Right, and... You know, and he was upset that he couldn't, like, you know, shout Dwayne Wade out and things like that mm-hmm. for their la- and, and uh, Dirk, Dirk out for their last games and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I just, you know, he, I don't think he did it in the right way, but for him, obviously he needs to do what's best for him. So good for him for realizing that and ending the relationship before, you know, the Lakers end 15th in the West. Yeah, exactly. But, But we'll uh, talk a little bit more about some NBA. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade have played their last games as uh, NBA basketball players. Um, In Wade's last uh, home game, he dropped uh, 30. And in his last game in general, it was an away game, he had a triple-double, his first triple-double of the season. And uh, Dirk Nowitzki, we had didn't we kind of figured he was going to retire, but he never officially announced it until following the Mavericks' last game and uh, the last home game. Uh, he drops thirty points, and classic then classic Dirk, classic Dirk, and you know he didn't do much of that all season this year. He was pretty much a bench warmer. Like when I went to the Mavericks game, he maybe got 10, 15 minutes in that game. Oh, he old, and he's old, and. He the dude's like what is he like forty two now forty three but at least forty one but then there was another interesting thing he in their last regular season game in San Antonio uh, he was shooting free throws and the San Antonio fans started chanting MVP to him while he was shooting free throws so I thought that was uh, well Texas love right yeah there. it was kind of a nice gesture from from the Spurs fans but probably the best fans in the NBA but I'm biased because I'm a Spurs fan but. You're a Spurs fan? I'm a Spurs and Raptors fan. You Canadian. I have like one team in the West, one team in the East. Is that allowed? I think that's allowed. Canadians, I tell you. Can't but, have one favorite team. You got to have two. Two but, for hockey. Obviously, you have to have the Packers for football. Yeah, no, basketball. I don't like anybody else but the Packers. So, for I now. don't like an AFC team. For now. Unless, yeah, unless Brett Favre comes out of retirement and Again. joins a team, then it's all in on the Packers. Obviously. But, uh... Dirk ends his career with 31,560 points, which is sixth all-time. And then Dwayne Wade finishes with 23,165 points, which is 29th all-time, but he also played in far fewer seasons than Dirk. Yeah. Um, 
I think uh, Dwayne Wade had a lot more injury issues than Dirk. He definitely did, did. So that probably is a contributing factor. Wade was a three-time NBA champion, 13-time All-Star, All-Star Game MVP, eight-time All-NBA. Dirk ended uh, with one NBA championship, one uh, Finals MVP, 14-time All-Star, and 12-time All-NBA. So... Both with amazing careers. Both have been a pleasure to watch over the years and uh, wish them the best in retirement. Absolutely. Me too. It's tough to always see legends go. You always wish they always stayed. But, you know, time is of the essence and they move on. So to wrap up the NBA, we're going to do our playoff predictions for them as conference or as the playoffs officially start and within a couple days. We have the Warriors facing the Clippers. and This is all in the West. The Rockets versus the Jazz. The uh, Trailblazers versus the Thunder, and the Nuggets versus the Spurs. Who do you have going through who, Zach? So, obviously the Warriors are going to beat the Clippers. That'll probably be a 4-0 series. Uh, Rockets and the Jazz. The Rockets surprisingly ending as the 4 seed. I actually see the Jazz upsetting them here. Okay. Uh, I think the like Donovan Mitchell has just been going crazy, and they got Rudy Gobert. They've got a good team over there, and James Harden can't do it alone. No, nope, I don't think so. I think the Jazz might win that in seven. I think that's going to be a six or seven series, yeah, too. I think the Thunder will also upset the Trailblazers. I, I think Paul George is just going to go crazy. There's a lot of hate between those two franchises. And I hate to say it, but my Spurs are going to lose to the Nuggets. Oh, that's just yeah. how it's going to be. Yeah, so. no question there. But... uh so that's that's it for the West. What do you think about the West? You know, I I agree with you on all the picks we made. I think Oklahoma's going to win in five games against the Trailblazers. Damn. Five? I, I just think with Paul George and Russ, and, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's just tough to Especially in the playoffs, and they yeah. got Steven Adams for defense and rebounding. Yeah, but playoff basketball, it's like hockey. Playoffs are a different breed. Yeah. But ultimately, it's going to be Golden State versus Oklahoma because Denver's not going to beat Oklahoma. I don't think. So with that, it's going to be Golden State in the championship again. With And then we're going to go switch over to the East here. We have Milwaukee versus Detroit, Boston versus Indiana, Philly versus Brooklyn, and Toronto and Orlando. Obviously, Milwaukee and Toronto are going to move on. I think Boston's going to beat Indy in six or seven. It's going to be another long series. Yeah, I, I see all of the uh, top seeds winning in yep. the East for East sure. East is definitely not as stacked as the West. But so, conference finals for me, it's going to be Milwaukee and uh, Golden you know, State. Look, for the conference upset? finals for the East, it's oh, going to for the East. For the East conference finals, Milwaukee versus Toronto, with Milwaukee winning in six. I have uh, I have the opposites. I have uh, Milwaukee and Toronto, with Toronto winning Ooh. in six. Kawhi. The, the Bucks have a big. The Bucks struggle a lot playing Toronto, so. They, uh, I think that I think that it, the finals will be the Warriors versus the Raptors, and the Warriors will, of course, win. Mm. But uh, if somebody can beat the Warriors, then I think the champion's going to come out of the East. But I don't see anybody being the beating the Warriors. So crazier things have happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a close battle for everybody else. But oh. You know, Absolutely. when you have these super teams, it's it's tough to uh, have an alternate champion. Yeah. But. Well, we're going to move on to some XFL news because, you know, with the AAF folding, we have something more forward to look to in terms of spring football, I believe. And the XFL is going to give one, two, and three-point options for extra points. And this is off of USA Today. So it's like rock and jock football. 
I'm not sure how much everyone is familiar with the XFL. I think it's going to start in 2020, and the rules are going to be somewhat similar. I'm trying to figure out where they're going to get all their players, if they're just going to take over the AAF rosters. You know, I, I could see that, having those basically fifth, sixth stringers just playing some spring ball. But the one-point conversion will have to will have the ball placed at the two-yard line. The two-point conversion will have the ball placed at the five, and the three will be placed at the ten. And supposedly this is fun and innovative and exactly what we thought the XFL would do. I, I guess that's the USA Today's version of fun football. They were fun and innovative the first time around, supposedly, and there's no reason to change anything this time. You know, I, The article's got a lot of decent points to make, and... They're trying to add more strategy to football. I'm not yeah. sure how much more strategy you need. I mean, that that in itself is you you don't really need much more, but anything to like separate themselves from the NFL is I think a good way to do this. Yep, and the field is condensed, which means there's a lot less space when it comes to covering opponents. I guess I myself am not too familiar with how the XFL used to be. Was it like Eight they, people, nine people. No, it was it was was it eleven? It was the same. But uh, the the thing that was cool about the XFL that I thought was the uh, way they decided who gets the ball to start the game. Well, they do rock paper scissors. No, no what they did was they uh, they like had two players. Usually they were DBs or wide receivers. They they would line up on a line, and then they would have it would be called the scramble to start the game, and then they would have a ball. And whoever got to the ball first and picked the ball up, they would start the game with the ball. They started a football game like a recess game, a dodgeball? Right, they, they would have the ball like 10 yards away from them, and then they would just both sprint, and whoever gets the ball first How many head-to-head collisions were there? Uh, probably quite a few, but, you know, they weren't really thinking about that 20 years ago. So <laughs> now they're probably thinking about that a bit more, but... You know, you, you see what Vince McMahon has done with WWE and how much innovation he's put into that. Yeah. So if he can sure. get it right with the XFL this time, we could see it, you know, not obviously right now, but long term, if people start enjoying the spring football league more than the NFL because of all the innovation it puts in, it can, in the long term, it could really pose a threat to the NFL. So... It definitely could be, especially if it's a uh, fun football. Right, and, and that was the thing with the AAF, why it sucked, is because it was literally the same as NFL football. It was just worse-looking teams, worse-looking colors, worse-looking logos, worse-looking names. And it was just like a low-quality NFL. And I think that's why they lost so much money and they didn't fill the stands is because people just didn't care. Like People would rather go watch a basketball game or a hockey game and things like that. So Yeah, but I get your point with that, and I expect great things out of the XFL. I really do. So I we'll, think they will. Let's uh, move on to our NHL playoff predictions. And, and uh, as playoffs have started before the recording of this episode, we currently have Dallas leading Nashville one to nothing. St. Louis on top of your hometown Jets one to nothing. Yep. Calgary leads. Colorado one to nothing. San Jose is one up on Vegas. The Islanders are up on the Pens. The Capitals are up on the Hurricanes. And then Toronto and Columbus are beating Boston and Tampa, respectively. Personally, I thought that Columbus coming back from a 3-0 game to beat Tampa 4-3 was... Pretty impressive. I think that's going to be 
if Tampa doesn't win this game, they're done. Well, right, and I think that goes the same for the Jets. If, uh, as much as I hate to say it, I'm wearing my Jets hat right now. It's but they, ugly too. It's beautiful. No, but, it's disgusting. You know they're gonna have those whiteout parties in Winnipeg tonight, and hopefully they'll be partying tonight because if they go down two nothing to the Blues at home, and the Lightning go down two nothing to the Blue Jackets at home, that uh, might spell the end for them. And which would which would be bad for me in my prediction because my cup final is the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Winnipeg Jets. Naturally. But, you know, I guess we'll see how things go tonight. But I, I have the I have the Lightning beating beating the Jets uh, in seven in the Stanley Cup final. But I have San Jose versus and you're gonna love this one. The Islanders. The Islanders. I they're gonna take down Pittsburgh. And they're gonna ride that through Washington, and you know, then all I got to do is beat Toronto. Yeah, I mean, and that's only gonna fuel the fire because the John Tavares situation. I'm not sure if you saw that clip where that guy went off on Tavares when he was in the penalty box. Yeah, and I think a lot of people saw that, and it's just gonna be great redemption because. It's going to be in your face, John. You left for Toronto to go win a cup, and psych, the Islanders are going to win it the year you're gone. Well, that's that's. you think they're going to win the whole thing? They will. I think the Islanders wow. will beat San Jose. And With no playoff experience? None whatsoever. I Complete dark horse. Well, I, I wish you luck with that prediction, but, I mean, it's looking more right than my prediction right now, so... <laughs> I mean, there's always that. You know, obviously but, it's going to be a little biased because we already have one nothing scores in right. every series. But, you know, I also think that there's a President's Trophy's curse going on in every playoff. There, yeah. I can't remember the last time the President's Trophy team won the Stanley Cup. Right, but when was the last time a President's Trophy team was that much better than everybody else in the NHL? Because the Lightning, I think it, they ended up having like 20 more points than the next closest they team. had 62 wins. You know, and there's a lot to say about that because they yeah, tied the most wins ever for a franchise in a season. Yeah, they had they they had 128 points to end the season. The next closest team in the East was the Bruins, and they had 107. So they had a 21 point advantage by the end of the season on all teams in the East, and then the West, same thing. The Flames had the best record in the West with 107 points. So. Just because you have the Bay most is, points doesn't mean you're the best uh, team. Absolutely, I agree. But they were just so much leaps and bounds better than everybody, every other team in the NHL this season. So you're right, kind of like the uh, the Warriors in basketball. Yeah, but Zach, they're gonna choke. Yeah, they're choking. I mean, right now they are. So I mean, we'll see if they bounce back. I think they play tonight. Yeah, tonight uh, you have the Blue Jackets and Lightning at six. Penguins and Islanders at six thirty. Jets and Blues at eight thirty. <laughs> And then uh, the Golden Knights and the Sharks at 9.30. So four games to look forward to tonight. I'll be sure to watch a couple of them as the Minnesota Wild are also at home on their couches watching what should have been. But, you know, it's the Wild. We're over that. I'm going to save that for another season. So as we're talking about the Minnesota Wild just now, the NHL lottery draft was taking place a couple of days ago. And... I don't have a great opinion on how this lottery plays out because they have two separate picks, one for the top three and then one for everyone else to get into the top three. The Minnesota Wild were originally slated to have the 11th overall pick, but they dropped down to 12 because, and get this, the Chicago Blackhawks with their 2.5% chance to get into the top three 
got into the top Move three. Up nine spots. Yeah. The only thing I'm happy about is the fact that Colorado had the number one overall pick via Ottawa because they had the worst record. They dropped down to four. You know, and I'm pretty happy with that because I hate Colorado a lot more than Chicago. <sighs> I cannot stand it's Colorado. It's interesting as a Wild fan that you, you dislike Colorado more than Chicago. I mean, they're both right neck and neck. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all they're all rivals. But, but the thing is, Colorado plays way more dirty. Yeah, I feel that. And when Andrew Brunette won it, won the series in Game 7, I think it was 2002, and then Niederreiter did it again like eight years later. Mm-hmm. That was just the most relishing moments I've ever experienced as a Wild fan. Obviously, I wasn't quite old enough to understand hockey when I was like five when they first beat the Avalanche in a series. But, you know, that's just how it goes. And yeah. I, I don't know if the NHL... There's been talks about the NHL draft getting overhauled. One option was you have your first four... Your worst four teams automatically get the top four, and then all the other teams have to then play their own mini playoff to get the picks after that. That would be awesome to watch. Because obviously you're kind of like the toilet, the toilet cup. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like who's the best of the worst, you know? And you know, I'm I'm in support of that because that really gets rid of the tanking aspect, as that's been a common theme amongst a lot of sports. You know, but you know that's just the way it is, and. Maybe they'll change it, maybe they won't, but God only hopes that the Wild can actually get a decent first-round pick, unlike last year's pick where they took some fifth-round defenseman, Marcus, I think, whatever his name was. I don't Something. is just That's how irrelevant he was. I don't even know Minnesota's last first-round pick. But Moving on, because I am sick and tired of talking about the Wild all the time, <laughs> the Twins actually did something I didn't think was humanly possible. They ended DeGrom's ridiculous quality start streak at 26. And it ended when Mitch Garver hit a dead center home run in the second inning, I believe. And my God, Jacob DeGrom fell back to earth because they then rocked him for eight runs, I believe, throughout four innings. A lot of it was stated that DeGrom didn't have his 90-mile-an-hour slider cutter or whatever. No one can figure out what it is except... DeGrom himself, and he's never explicitly said what it was. But yeah, McGrom, DeGrom had 26 consecutive quality starts, and he is looking to extend it to 27. And Mets manager Mickey Callaway was like, he just didn't have it today. He and Bob Gibson had it longer than anybody else ever in the history of baseball, and tonight's just one of those days. And you know, as a pitcher, former pitcher in both collegiate and semi-amateur, there are situations where some days you just don't have a feel for the ball, and there's some days where you, if you try and spin it, it's just going to spin. It's not going to bite, and yeah, that, sometimes that, it just doesn't jump out of your hand. And see that that game was especially good for uh, Twins uh, second baseman Jonathan Scoop, who had uh, two home runs in that game. Oh, he went off too with for that 14-8 win for the Twins, and uh, you know he's been killing for the Twins and killing for my fantasy team. So you keep it up, Jonathan, and keep it up, Minnesota Twins, because. Uh, you know, it's it's very early still, but uh, two games back of first place in uh, the AL Central. So, yep, Twins are doing some great things. I've been watching some more of their baseball games as they're being more relevant. And you know, as a Minnesota fan, that's tough to say. But and can we mention the fall off of the Royals and how good they used to be, and now they they start two and ten this season? Yeah, well, that's what happens when you go to the World Series in back-to-back years and then Cap kills you because yep. they couldn't sign Eric Hosmer, who actually isn't that great. 
Maybe it was best for them they didn't sign him. Oh, it definitely was. And Mike Mostowskis, I resigned him, but he. I think the player they should resign was Lorenzo Cain. Yeah. That's the one they should have paid. And breaking news the Lakers officially part ways with Luke Walton. It Whoa! Just lit up on my phone. I just I got that too. That. Now that's completely off topic, but it's. But, you know, we, we have to update you as we get the updates. Yep, so. I mean, it. As it stated, I mean, we're not going to go talk. So, is this, uh, we can talk about this for a couple minutes now. Do you, Is this a uh, LeBron James move? A hundred percent. LeBron I, James does not like how Luke Walton runs the Lakers. Yes. And, you know. You think Magic comes in and coach, <laughs> coaches no, the Lakers? No, they're going to sign. I'm pretty sure Jason Kidd is the front runner. Interesting. I, I read a report about that a little bit. You know, if I was LeBron, ago. you know who I would hire? LeBron. Le- no, well. You wouldn't hire yourself? Well, I, you can't really. You could hire yourself, but you can't really because you need somebody to, like, not be on the floor, I feel like. Well, he's having trouble with that space jam, but, too. You know who but... you could sign as two. But Dirk would never leave Dallas. No, but Dirk. He could sign D Wade. D-Wade ain't going to coach, coach the, Lakers. the Lakers. He ain't going to do that. He might get the itch to be like a Jackie Moon and why don't, a Why doesn't coach. LeBron, they could reunite in L.A. like they did in Miami, and you can have Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade be the co-head coaches of the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I think that's a dream world, but that would be awesome to see. I mean, you know, that that's plausible. I don't see that no, ever. I've never that would heard never of a, happen. a tandem head coaching duo. That would be, that would be something. It would just know? be LeBron hanging out with his homies, playing basketball, yeah, winning, the, winning a few games. The banana crew, I think they call them themselves. And the then one day boat. Dwayne Wade will rip off his suit and be ha, have like a, a full full uniform on, ready to go play. But um, we'll move on to uh, some local news um, with uh, UMC Sports. Uh, the softball team will uh, play tomorrow versus Winona at 12-2, and two, and then on Sunday versus Upper Iowa at 12-2. and two. Uh, And then they'll also play on Tuesday at St. Cloud wow. uh, at 2-4. and four. So six games in the next three days for the uh, softball team. And also five no games off. in the next three days for the baseball team. Uh, they'll be at Mary tomorrow at one thirty. and actually just got moved to Watford City. Interesting. Because Where's, there's a lot of snow in everywhere. Yeah, there's snow storm. everywhere. It, it, it amazes me that they still find a way to play. I think Watford City, that's on like the far western part of North Dakota, and it's a uh, turf field, I believe, yeah. so they just clean that off. And, and then they're fine. Yeah, but, but they'll play They'll play they'll, uh, wherever they play that game, Watford City or at Mary, they'll play at 1.30 and 3.30, and then on Sunday they'll play at noon. And then on Tuesday, they'll also be traveling. They'll go to Southwest Minnesota State uh, on Tuesday and play two games at 12 and 2. So lots of uh, softball and baseball action coming up over the next couple of days. And we'll be sure to cover how that went uh, when we return next week. But um, do you have a side note here? The, no, uh, before we get that side note, I just also want to mention that the UMC baseball team split with the defending national champs, Augustana. Yep. Well, and look at look at us UMC sports. First, the men's basketball team upsets former national championship champion Augustana, yep. and now our baseball team splits with them. And you know, it, it, it's looking good they're, for both of those programs. They're doing it, and you know what? That's the sky's the limit at that point. Yeah, and it's a nice change of pace. From I what think we're they're used picked to. in the bottom half of the conference standings, and currently they're in the top half and at the near the top of the top at the top half, if I'm going to say top any more times. But, <laughs> you know, they're, they're up there, and they're 
waking people up that we're not a UMC isn't a joke of a program for many sports anymore like it used to be but to also make our side note our sister school UMD beat Providence four to one in hockey to move on to the NCAA championships and I just looked it up to make sure and double check my facts Denver lost to UMass so it'll be UMass versus UMD in the yep. national championship which I think they won four to three. Yeah, and it's looking like UMD is going to be the national champion once again. So can't complain about that. No, Minnesota we'll, uh, hockey. We'll, we'll we'll choose to support our sister school since it's not either of our our sports. Yep. But to move on, Zach, what has been on your mind and grinding your gears? All right. Lately? Well, this grinding our gears segment. Um, you know, this is something that has been grinding my gears for a couple days now as it's been slowly coming out. The Winnipeg Jets are famous for a street party and in the arena, it's called the whiteout. So the whiteout, what, what it entails is, you know, all the fans show up to the game, all the fans show up to the street, to the street party wearing all whites, painting their faces white, white hats, white, every everything's white. And this is to pay homage to, uh, you know, this has been a time-honored tradition for years. And Winnipeg's a place that has set constant records over the years for amount of snowfall, the amount of blizzards that we have, and all of that stuff, and also to our color scheme. So to talk about what's been grinding my gears, Black Space Winnipeg is an advocacy group based in Winnipeg, and uh, they are calling for a change to the whiteout name as they believe it's uh it can be triggering for people of color and uh and it marginalizes minorities in winnipeg so i have a very big problem with this and you know i might be blowing it a little bit out of proportion but this the whiteout started back in 1987 so this has been so it was a tradition in for winnipeg playoff hockey for 20 years or for 10 years and then the Jets left and now it's a thing again now that the Jets have returned so this has been a tradition for so long and the fact that our society has become so defensive and they take offense to to literally everything and everything that's what grinds my gears because this whiteout party has nothing to do with race it has nothing to do with uh, sexual orientation has nothing to do with religion, any of that. This is strictly a whiteout party, and this doesn't. It doesn't. Um, the the whiteout party itself it doesn't exclude any specific race. It doesn't exclude any anybody. Like Black Space Winnipeg made the tweet: uh, "Jets parties will will turn downtown white again." Reminds us of a similar phrase started by a problematic hashtag US politician. We need to talk about the hashtag whiteout NHL Jets parties. This headline can carry a very different meaning depending on who's reading it. Hashtag Winnipeg, hashtag Winnipeg Jets. So I quoted their tweet saying, "A complete joke, a time-honored tradition with zero racial con- connotation." Just because they're talking about whiteout as a color. Whiteout is a color, yes, but the term white is not always associated with race. It's also associated with the color, which is a color scheme in our uniform. So I mean, your I, hat's white right now. My hat's white. Like, I, do I need to take my hat off because it's marginalizing to minorities? 
because it's not white. For me to say. Like what about what about Bic in their uh, in their they have whiteout which gets rid of mistakes on on papers and stuff like that. Yep. Are they going to have to change their not, name because that's marginalizing to marginalizing of minorities? Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Winnipeg is to continue my tweet. Winnipeg is one of the most diverse cities in the world. Canada is the most accepting country in the world of Both all true. of all people of all religion of all color no matter what. So my question is why would they not focus on issues that actually matter? Because this is not something that needs attention to me because this is inclusive of everybody. This is an event that brings the entire community of Winnipeg together. It it brings it brings business to the downtown area. Many of those businesses are owned and operated and employed by minorities and the amount of business that it brings downtown is is crazy whether it be for restaurants whether it be for little shops merchandise places all of these pe people and places benefit from these whiteout parties and not to mention to continue all of the proceeds of the measly five dollars it costs to get into the party all proceeds 100 percent of the proceeds goes to the united way and goes to charities so to me i don't understand how they can make something that's just, you know, a little, a cute little pun and, and, and completely blow it out of proportion and make this into something it's not and potentially ruin everybody's good time in the city of Winnipeg. So that is what has been grinding my gears. That is definitely a lot. And I also want to note for the fans that the whiteout started back in 87 as a Jets fan's response to the Calgary Flames Sea of Red during the playoffs. And that was a time when the Jets' home colors were white, not blue as they are now, but the tradition has stuck. To me, tradition is tradition. You do not mess with what it is. And the fact that I think they're involving American politics. Right. It makes no sense. That situation. We have nothing to do with them. You know, today is my opinion, and this has nothing to express anything outside of me and myself, is that people are always quick to judge and slow to listen and learn and understand. You know, some people... Some people do do their due diligence, you know, and but no one has thick skin anymore. And, None. And they no, all are just, say anything they all just to fight about opinions, and, you know, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But, but the problem is you can't say your own opinion without hurting somebody. You have to s stop yourself from speaking, and that's what bothers me. Yep, and that's as far as I'm going to go because I am not a huge yeah. fan of politics whatsoever. I am, but that's not the time and place for this. We can always make our own political talk show if we really wanted to, but, you know, in the interest of keeping this a sports-related podcast, we will definitely move on and wrap this up here as my thing that's been grinding my gears is the Barstool Best Bar vote was Joe Blacks. They lost to the Penn State champs. In the final four. In the final four, but, you know, it's understandable that not everyone wins, but, you know, the way their voting went out was they had poll votes and that worked all up to the final four. And then they changed and then it. UND was ahead of Penn State for their bar by a considerable amount. I think it's a thousand and a fifteen hundred, something like that. And then there's like, ah, well, the poll voting's not working, so you have to do the hashtag vote. And then Penn State, you know, definitely won by a considerable amount. Fortunately, though, East Carolina University's bar Dogs beat Penn State's champs in the final match, and that, that made me feel a little bit better. It avenged UND a little bit. It avenged me. Revenge is sweet. And Joe Blacks. But, I, you know, I understand that voting isn't exactly the easiest thing on Twitter. Maybe they should make a website and vote for it that way. 
Yeah, that probably would have been the better move, but you know, Barstool if, does a lot of the, the majority of their stuff through social media. So. Yep, exactly. So to move on to our wacky sports wrap up, and you know, whenever we say wacky sports, it's almost always J- John Gruden and Lavar Ball. But this one is where Lavar Ball said Leangelo is better than Zion Williamson, and wow. And this is the best part. He is quoted saying, biggest and strongest two guard in the NBA right now. This is about his son, Leangelo. Ball claimed, ain't nobody built like him at the two guard. Nobody 6'6", 240, can shoot the three, post you up, kill you. But you going to see, you going to see. And he ain't no big baller. Laval says this of Duke superstar. He's a Williamson. Williamson's ain't stronger than ballers. I mean, he's got a huge sense of pride with his family. Nothing wrong with that. He loves his sons. I'm not going to tell him how to parent or coach him. But I just I get a kick out of how LeVar thinks that the consensus number one pick since the dude was like 14 coming out of high school. And, you know, now he's saying his son, Leangelo, who wasn't even good in Latvia and isn't even on a G League team right now, is better than the number one pick who almost won the NCAA championship. So, you know, food for thought. And then to finally wrap it up here, John Gruden told his GM, Mike Maycock, don't mess it up, dude. I took a lot of slings to get you three first-round picks. Don't mess it up. I just think that's funny because as a GM, you're not trying to mess up draft picks. Like, obviously. I mean, Gruden and Mayock obviously go way back, both being... uh guys that have been work, working in whatever capacity, like outside of, like in an unbiased capacity outside of football. So now that they're teaming up, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, can interact with each other because both are pretty smart guys when it comes to football, but in different capacities. Absolutely. Uh, well, we just wanted to thank you here for joining us on our 11th episode of the season. Uh, just a reminder, you can uh, find us on Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube under Calling an Audible, as well as on our Twitter account at CallAudiblePod. We'd love for you to uh, message us and we can argue with you, agree with you, and see whatever we can do with your tweets. Uh, on behalf of Greg and myself, au revoir, shalom, and have a great weekend. Calling an Audible is made possible through the assistance of the University of Minnesota Crookston Media Services Department and executive producer James Pogachnik. The views expressed on Calling an Audible are not necessarily the views of the University of Minnesota Crookston or its affiliates.